0: Welcome to the Lifelinks Leadership Podcast, insight and training from leaders around our network. Here's your host, Ian Bird. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome again to another Lifelinks Leadership Podcast, where our goal is to uncover the hidden treasure of leadership acumen within our network. And that's what we're going to do again this month. We have with us Alex Marriott, director of the Bee Church Network, which is an incubator for experimental forms of church. I love that title, Alex. That's amazing. And we have his lovely wife, Sarah Marriott, who's the Young Life Area Director for the Central Okanagan. These are two very long-term Life Links members, leaders in our network who we just have enjoyed walking with. So today I'm really blessed to have you guys. Thanks for being on the podcast.
1: I'm glad Happy to be to here. here. <laughs>
0: well, we're going to have a good time today because what we want to talk about is something that is very relevant in our world today. And it's a term called deconstruction. And uh, for all of us that are watching the media, we've probably seen uh, high profile Christians who have come out in recent months and years who have said, you know, I'm deconstructing my faith. And some of them have even walked away and said, I'm no longer a Christian. And so um, there's a concept called deconstruction. So, What we want to start off with is want to look at that today and then kind of examine how we can deal with that. Um, how can we can walk with those who are deconstructing their faith, how we can help them to maybe reconstruct their faith in a proper way. So this is something really relevant. I'm going to ask you guys first, though, to maybe help us by defining what is
2: deconstruction? What does that actually mean? So the the term comes from postmodern theory. And in in postmodern theory, it's about understanding the the actual meaning of a text so they it's a it's a change of perspective from a different angle so that you can understand what's going on maybe even things that the author wasn't even conscious of while they're doing it but when we're talking about it in the faith concept here we're kind of borrowing the term from this this um uh postmodern theory and we're really talking about taking a look at our own faith our own belief structure or religious practices from another angle instead of uh just accepting what the tradition has told us what do we actually do to to address it from a scientific standpoint from a sociological standpoint from a a personal conviction standpoint and do those things actually line up with what scripture says with what truth looks like from all these other vantage points and so it's not just looking at it from one direction how do we uh, look at it from as many directions as possible and then break it down that's where the deconstruct part comes from into its small pieces and see if it actually makes any sense
1: and I think um, what's important is we're, we're so, we are so fearful of the concept of deconstructing, but the reality is is that this is not new. The the disciples would have deconstructed their understanding of God and the Messiah, even as they walked with Jesus, even after he died on the cross. You know, they were believing that something different was going to happen than what actually happened. And so they would have had to do this process of re-examining how Mm -hmm. they understood the scriptures and how they understood prophecy and then reconstructing a new understanding of that. And so I don't think deconstruction is something we need to be immediately fearful of. Um, I think there's a lot of toxic religiosity in our mm-hmm. culture, especially in our North American culture. And so if you think about it like a house, you know, if rot has gotten in, you know, to the main support beams, you are going to have to tear that out and rebuild something. Mm, that's a good point. And I think that there's some really significant ways that we've allowed rot to mm-hmm. get into our faith building um and it, and it might not be a bad idea to not even not be fearful but embrace the concept of deconstructing as something that um can be healthy and good mm-hmm. for us
2: yeah it's like one of the things that happens is that if you let it go too long if you have this uh, this doubt or these ideas that are kind of eroding your faith a little bit and we're and the instinct often out of fear is to um, not ask those questions or let's give really simple surface answers to those questions without really letting people explore them, then the rot gets deeper mm, and then we have point. the problem of then the whole house falls. Mm-hmm. And we need to figure out how do we embrace this concept of, de- of deconstruction so that we can renovate the house room by room we can walk into an area and go the bathroom is having a mold creeping in issue (laughs) not just plaster over it let's pull the stuff down that's that's required let's get into the baseboards and let's put in new new faucets and that kind of stuff while we're there and we can go room by room through the house before so the house doesn't collapse on itself but if we let it go too long and we let it we just let any handyman you know walk in and 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 do the work um we're not sure what we're going to end up with at the end and so Mm. we could it's i think the problem is that we've Been afraid of it and so we keep pushing away on from these questions and we give insufficient answers and kind of gloss over the problem and never really get to the root of what's going on in people's heart that emotional thing that that's really causing this deconstruction to start with and there's a there's another fancy word that might be really helpful yes um and that would be reformation and you have to realize that there was something in the heart of martin luther in the beginning of the reformation that was necessary that we required a massive overhaul and change of faith and was revolutionary and we've done it over and over again through our faith we've had tons of renovations and each time we're technically getting closer and closer to the the first century church back to where things started um through each of these deconstructed moments where they put it back together in a new form that's that's unrecognizable to the previous generation
0: well that's really good I hadn't put Martin Luther and deconstruction in the same category, but now that you mention and you talk about, you know, the whole picture of, of uh, you know, the the kind of the rod and the foundation or the rod and the walls and whatever, and that obviously he was dealing with a lot of things at that time. He had to deconstruct, and then reconstruct in many ways right so that's powerful Um, I like what you're saying Sarah that whole picture of the the rod and it not being dealt with and even the idea what you're saying Alex about the tough questions and addressing the real questions so do you think like why do you think then in this era because you know I think in the past we look back um, people maybe just accepted some of these biblical truths more readily, or maybe because they were told by their parents, or maybe because it was just tradition. Maybe they just said, hey, this is the way it is. Why do you think in our current culture, what's fueling maybe more of this introspection and consideration of some of these truths?
1: It's it's technology. Um, just like uh, the, the- the invention of the printing press made the scriptures more available to more people. So people were able to examine for themselves. And all of the sudden, you know, if you read something and you didn't agree you know, with the priest who is giving you the, what his um, correct uh, interpretation of the scripture were, you, you actually had the tools yourself to go and examine that. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone has the internet in their pockets. And the internet, you can Google anything, and of course, we know that not everything on the internet is true. Really, but the reality I is thought it, it
0: was okay.
1: <laughs> but but people, um, you can you can much more easily find specific scriptures you're looking for, right? It's a it's a lot easier to plug in a phrase that you heard sometime, and then go take that phrase and read around it. And I don't think, to be very honest with you, and I I know your listeners are all pastors like us, and so please forgive me. I think in general, we haven't done enough of our own homework to study, to show ourselves approved, uh, to combat that, you know, I'm still hearing sermons all the time that are taking snippets of scripture. And it it's not in the context of the whole. And so people, without even getting into science or anthropology or history, Mm -hmm. just scripture, people can go examine themselves in a way that they couldn't before. Everything a pastor says, you know, and yeah, and I don't, I don't know about you, Ian, but I know I am guilty of being like, I want to speak on this, and and taking, you know, scriptures or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, it says that, and maybe not spending enough time mm. doing the homework. What what was going on in the time? Who was the audience? Why were they speaking to them that way? You know, the first time I was really forced to examine my own belief system was actually um, in the concept of whether or not women should be in ministry yes. and, uh, and you know, Ian, cause you were there when I was ordained, um, that yes. we, we landed somewhere. We, we landed on an ideology that we believe, but the truth is I have brothers in Christ who disagree with me. And I think have a good biblical argument to disagree with mm-hmm. me. And so there's this other piece of, mm. uh, I have to examine what I believe and really own it and be able to back it up and also understand that it might be possible for someone with a completely opposing opinion to me to back up their belief as well. So I think the internet has made a lot of complication for us. We no longer can tie everything up with a nice ribbon because the pastor said so, right? There's, there's a lot of voices. Mm-hmm. So
0: Yeah. Now, Alex, you had, and I think that's a great point, and even likening it to the printing press and the Bible is a really good illustration of getting the Bible in the common people's hands, and the same as now there's more information for everybody. Alex, you've had your own journey with this. You were sharing Mm -hmm. that a bit with me. Um, I wonder what you've learned from that that you might be able to share, and maybe just if you could share a few snippets of what happened uh, in your own life.
2: It was, it was really difficult because the kind of the, um, the ultimate hipster move, I, I did it before cool. I, uh, <laughs> I was, it was so like 20 years ago, I started to have a, a conflict where I tried to have, um, things that I had learned. I was a, a bit of a, a bit of a nerd. And so
1: he wasn't uh, a giant nerd. It wasn't a bit. Let's I mean, if we're gonna talk about deconstruction, then I think we should have accurate language. So <laughs> giant nerd,
2: complete the giant
0: nerd. nerd of deconstruction. That's Total what nerd.
2: <laughs> and so I, I had my Sunday school answers for questions. And I had my biology and physics background, things that were just fascinating to me, I would read a brief history of time for fun in and, and my late teens and early 20s and so um things are um far more complicated in scripture than we often give them credit for and so i had this tension between uh truth on from that's given from one source and truth that's given from another source i don't reconcile and it was and i was in it alone i I tried to ask questions of people about textual things and about uh science versus scripture things and, and i had i was shut down repeatedly the 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 standard church move was you shouldn't ask those questions you shouldn't read that philosophy you shouldn't um even explore that that's a dangerous place to look and my initial response is well if it's if it truth is true no matter where you find it and so if these things don't reconcile then something is wrong something is misunderstood but i at least had a safety cable growing up in a church where i experienced god
1: where i was
2: I, i had a relationship with jesus on my own that wasn't through the pastor i had um been in in church uh settings as in a leadership capacity in youth group and such where i would pray for people and i saw people healed under my hands and so i could not deny god's existence i could not deny the goodness of god or the reality of jesus but that was the only tether i had to hang on to everything else by because i i couldn't reconcile my faith with the other things that I knew to be true. And so uh, it took me years to be able to get to the point where I, I can't know all the answers, but I, as soon he as cried. I- He <laughs> cried.
1: He actually cried, my husband who doesn't get emotional. The day he recognized, like he had a real revelation that he this was not a puzzle he was going to solve, he actually shed tears this man did not cry at our wedding or the birth of any of our children, but when he had the revelation that he could not know all the answers, tears filled up his eyes. It was hilarious.
2: And so where that takes me though, is as soon as I was able to let go of the need to understand it all, a lot of the answers actually started to fall into place. Interesting. And there's a certain amount of, of white knuckling, Um, and trying to reconcile that is actually kind of it's kind of dangerous really Uh, i think one of the main issues is that we try to take this ancient book that was written to ancient people in a in a in an eastern context and we want to take our modern western linear ways of thinking and apply them to that text and a lot of the things that are going on are deeper than our merely factual thinking where we want to know um are adam and eve historical factual people and the hebraic view of it would be you no, know, no. what are what is the meaning and the what, what is the purpose of this story why is it in the in, in the context why do, why is this something that's pre- been preserved for thousands and thousands and thousands of years why do billions of people look at this as a source of inspiration um that's a deeper question of why is it true not uh is it historically factual and wow. i think it can be both but if it's it's more than mere history, uh, has to be our answer. And so oh. I think there's so many layers of the questions that we ask where we uh, we we want to reconcile the facts and we wanna know you know the the foundation stones when the, really the truth truth is a different thing than facts. And so we always have to look at these things back and forth and how the story is told and why the story is told and how the this informed people for generations and and what was a result of that, of that, uh, that lifestyle and that change in in heart.
1: But this is dangerous. Like this, this work requires courage from us. It requires embracing the concept of uncertainty, and we are not good at that, Mm -hmm. you know, I. I was married to this man during this time and we had four children. And for me, I I have never deconstructed. I, I have not had that experience, but part of that for me is because I didn't have a, a constructed religion growing up. And I was a hot mess and Jesus rescued me. He saved my, not just my eternal life, He saved my physical, actual life. I would not have lived through teenagehood if I had not met Jesus. And so then when I had kids with this man who introduced me to Jesus and he suddenly started to question everything, it was terrifying because I was, he was wrecking my safe bubble, right? That, that sweet little bubble of safety of like, I know what the black and white answers are. I know what's true and what's not true. And all of the sudden, Alex was like, "Eh, is that true? What's truth? And you're like, what am I going to do? I remember, I honestly, now this confession time, I swore at him and told him he better not talk to our kids about God until he figured his crap out. And that was the polite way of saying what I actually said. <laughs> because I was, I was terrified. And I think as pastors now, I think that's what we're communally experiencing. These people that we love and we've walked with, they are leaving the safe bubble. and And we are so scared. And I think one of the things that we need to trust is that if the Holy Spirit is at work here, he will lead them to truth. That if his name is lifted up, he is the one who draws all men to him. Mm -hmm. That when we're trying to do his work for him, we actually get in the way. When we try to gloss over that rot and throw up some simple paint, we're actually letting things fester underneath and so we actually have to be brave now. Mm-hmm. It's time for us to be brave and leave the safe bubble of certainty and trust that there is a God that does not fit in our boxes. And, and I think it's really clear to me when I read the Gospels. Jesus was repeatedly not fitting in the box of who the Messiah was supposed to be. And he mm-hmm. was repeatedly speaking in riddles and parables yes trying to get people to understand the deeper things and to examine their own hearts and that was not a safe place and even after jesus died i mean we have scripture talking about peter and paul fighting over circumcision there's deconstruction in scripture it's happening in scripture a good
0: point yes they had to change their whole belief system mm-hmm.
1: So why why can't we embrace this this uncertainty? Wow. Why can't we look at people the way Jesus did? You know, Jesus said, "Come and follow me," and not everyone did. Jesus said, "Sell everything you have and give your stuff to the poor," and then watched the rich young ruler walk away. You know, he rescued the woman caught in adultery and said, "You know, at the very end, who condemns you? No one. Me neither. Go and sin no more." didn't follow her, didn't go see how that went. We have to treat people a little bit like Jesus sometimes. We have to be willing to let go and give them the freedom that he purchased for us.
0: Wow, that's really powerful, Sarah. So Jesus actually, in a way, definitely being an agent of deconstruction, (laughs) actually being Mm -hmm. a catalyst for the people of his day who are dealing with their religious beliefs. And he was challenging Mm -hmm. it and actually and then, like you said, giving them the room then to walk it out after he had encountered them. I think that's mm-hmm. powerful. I, I wonder, Alex, with back to your story and your journey then. So, you know, when you kind of came, first of all, how long did it take you to kind of move through that process where you kind of, you're probably still processing things now? Well, I there's still
2: lots of things being processed. <laughs> but, it probably but, was eight, seven, or eight years
1: yeah, it was it was the better part of a decade,
2: and wow. and a and a portion of that was very very painful. There's a big there's a chunk of it where I was very uh, detached from church and very like I played music still on the on the music team, but I wasn't going to volunteer to do other extra stuff. I was very, um, yeah, very. It
1: was dark and lonely. Yeah.
2: Well, it was so, dark. And...
0: wow. Well, so let me ask you a question then, because this would be insightful, I think, for for everyone listening, including myself what, what was the keys that helped you get through that? Um, You know, like both relationally with other people, where there's some things that I'm just thinking of, you know, us who maybe are walking with people who are deconstructing or dealing with some of these questions. um, How can we actually help those people? How can we be a help and not a hindrance? Maybe Um, Mm -hmm. was there some things you learned about that? And even, even just, you know, your own know how you actually landed or how you actually kind of came through that yourself
2: um i think i survived it and not necessarily the best way and so uh as far as helping others who are dealing with it um the biggest thing is not to let them go through it alone we -hmm. need to find a way to build a safe space to ask dangerous questions uh, wow. we need to be able to allow people the room to process and wiggle without diving on them with all the answers. And I, and I think what it comes down to is we, we need to help people ask better questions because often the true false style of thinking, uh, is very limited. And, and thinking, instead of thinking that we have all the answers and that it's all laid out for us in this very simple roadmap, I have a book on my bookshelf that's two and a half inches thick. That's the, the big book of Bible difficulties. If the Bible was just a straightforward and, and simple thing to read, we wouldn't have a two and a half inch thick book that, of, of all these ways of, of harmonizing scriptures to, to compare with each other. We have to realize that this book is thousands of years old and belongs to a culture that's not our own. And there's a bunch of idioms and things that are that are lost to us that we we need to reconstruct. There's a lot of the the messaging that would have been normal and natural for them to hear that it's not going to be normal and natural for us. We're going to read it in a different way because we have modern thinking. Um, and so we need to actually help uh help people address those tensions in scripture they're not necessarily even things to be solved they're tensions to be managed there's gonna be some stuff that we're gonna to come to scripture and go i don't know but i think we're used to the pastor being the bible answer man you mm-hmm. know the pastor doesn't know then we need to leave because obviously he's not god's man or or whatever um and th- that produces a lot of insecurity in people all around and how do we have relationships with people where it doesn't matter where you fall on this doctrinal issue. um, That's not what makes us unified in Christ. That if we are all together following Jesus and following what we feel the Holy Spirit in us is calling us to do, that's our criteria. That's the thing that makes us in or out of the club. And we can have room then to to work with the theology that we're we're given. Um, And we can do so with love and with charity there's there's a way of doing it where you can help them along the way by asking better questions Mm. and um instead of having them just keep beating against the same same issues over and over again and i think the problem again like we said before is that if we let too much water build up behind the dam before we let that happen uh then then the dam goes all at once
0: that's a good point rather than releasing it and so these questions this is what you're talking about then is is dialogue and and kind of open dialogue without judgment and without you know but trying to understand where they're coming from but perhaps then bringing in perspectives with them I, I think that's what i'm hearing do you have some thoughts on that
1: i i would i would even i would take it even one step further um when we had lead, women in leadership at connect back in cranbrook Uh, we'd gone down to do some training in the states and we'd done the first round of training and we were set up and organized to do the second round and they said we can't do it we just realized that your wives are directors or elders with you and we don't believe women should hold those roles and they sent us a whole bunch of material um and i remember in that moment not being as angry as i thought I would be. I I grew up in a non-Christian, extremely (laughs) feminist household. Um, And, and I was surprised at my own lack of anger or indignity. Um, Actually, Alex was super mad. It was quite funny. I will not serve on an only male elder team. And I was like, (laughs) you will if God says so. Um, So what happened in that moment was, was a willingness to say, what if I'm wrong? Am I willing to examine that? And so I did, and and we did our homework. and, And to be honest, it was really hard because there was some really good arguments on both sides that had scriptural foundation. And so we sat in the tension of that not being a super black and white answer. And we decided that our conviction was that us, the women on this team, were called to be on this team. And so we, we took it with that conviction. But I will be honest with you, Ian, I hold that with open hands, mm-hmm. even now. If someone comes to me and, and I've had it happen, I've had it happen in Kelowna. I've had women leaders who've said, I don't know if I can follow you because you should be a man. And I and I've said, you know what? I'm willing to I'm willing to go back and do more homework with
0: well, you. Wow, that's amazing, Sarah.
1: But what if somebody who's wrestling with their gender, or the sexuality, has the same thing? What if they read in Isaiah about the special place in heaven for eunuchs, who is, you know, the best we can come up with in scripture for the transgendered identity? What if they listen to some of the teachers that are talking about those concepts? Are we willing with humility to say, I'm willing to explore that with you? or have we already decided we have all the answers that door is closed that book is closed and that's how it is what about somebody who's in the midst of divorce right what yeah. i mean we have all these we have all of these things that are yes. muddy waters for us right now yes can we with humility trust in the holy spirit and have the heart of jesus for people jesus didn't say come and follow me, but wait, before you follow me, let's make sure you've got all your doctrine right and you've got all your stuff cleaned up and you've got, nope, he walked with men and women for three years who were a hot mess and still arguing after Mm -hmm. the fact. So what does it look like for us to be willing, to be humble, to hold loosely our own doctrines and say, you know what, I swallowed that hole too. Maybe it's time for me to get behind that wall and check for rot. Maybe there's no rot and that'll be great. And we'll just repaint and move on. That's fantastic. But is it possible? Some of us might have a little rot behind that bathroom wall. We have to restore some beams maybe. (laughs) I'm looking at social media right now. I'm looking at the evangelical movement in the United States. And I'm thinking there's rot behind some people's walls that don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna be one of them. Who was Jesus mean to? There was only one group religious of people, people that Jesus was it was the religious, religious people. people. It was people yeah. who believed they had all the right answers
0: and and weren't open to talking with anyone else and we're and we're judgmental and yes. Yep.
1: And the fastest way to make people deconstruct and run from our churches is actually to represent him poorly. And at least in the media as a whole the Church of North America is representing him real poorly right now. No wonder we're having an epidemic of unhealthy
2: deconstruction. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, That's a good point. Good point. Yes, Alex.
2: Something that has stuck with me for, I don't know, 14 or 15 years is a message given by our mutual friend, Brian Acey. And he preached a message on... Uh, we have a choice every day to hang our swing from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil.
0: That's a good point. Or the yes. tree
2: of life. And I think the main issue with modern evangelicalism is that they've become very much like the Pharisees and they're infatuated. They're, they love this idea about pointing out everyone's sin and finding all these areas where we should disagree with things and things we need to confront, confront and fight. And so they're very combative and very political and they want to be able to win all these fights for or whatever um and the entire time it's it's based on that the knowledge of good and evil we need to really rightly divide the knowledge of good and evil when what we should be doing instead is offering people life yeah. and so jesus talks to the woman at the well who is a samaritan woman he's not supposed to talk to and she is he ask like, her about her, like her husband, like, like, well, she's not actually with a husband. She's actually with a guy who's not her husband, and she's been with a bunch of guys before that. And so, but is Jesus' first response to tell her all the things she's doing wrong, to point out all the areas, all the good and evil in her life. He never once mentions anything that is in remotely pointing out her sin. What he Ex- does,
1: except to point out that he knows about it. Yeah. That he's yeah. Very... And that
0: he knows that she's yeah, that she's yeah. had multiple partners, but that's all he just and so, says what, it's a fact. what he does
2: instead is he invites her into life. He invites her to be an evangelist for his cause. Like
1: I have living water to give you. And You'll so never thirst again. Is
2: that the first person you want to send out as an evangelist? Is it like, like our impulse has to be, how do we find these people who are been rejected by religion? and how do we find that who have been hurt and lots of people have been traumatized by religion um, and the result is this deconstruction but instead how do we embrace them for who they are and the things they're struggling with where they're at and and say no we have we have life to offer and so instead of going what's right and wrong in every situation if we take a step back from our preconceived ideas and say what right now is going to bring you the most life and if that becomes our 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 distinct way of being in the world by asking them questions first, to even find out where they're at before yes. we come up with our preset launch, point. You deal. Know, I, I know exactly what you should do and shouldn't do.
0: Or, or why they believe what they believe rather than just jumping on what they're saying, right? What, where's this coming from? Yeah, finding and, out and the And I would say
1: most of the people I know who are deconstructing um, out of a um, a reaction to current Christianity Mm -hmm. they're they're actually deconstruction because of their compassion right like a lot of people are not deconstructing because they don't like who Jesus is they're deconstructing because they don't like what the church says about him or because they see wounded hurting people that the church has rejected lots of people right now are deconstructing out of a reaction for us not being Christ-like now I want to make clear because this is the part where everyone shuts down. It's like Sarah and Alex have lost their way. They're <laughs> lunatics. We believe in righteousness. Yes,
0: you do. I know you do. We,
1: we deeply believe in the yes. concept of holy. Yes. And, and that we are called to to reach for that perseverance that will perfect maturity in us. We, we want yes. those things. Um, but I think that that's messier than the way it's been made out to be
0: sure yeah no i i, I was just gonna say that i appreciate you sharing that because my comment was going to be that that you both are orthodox i mean you know all that that means you you believe what the bible says and you're trying to walk in truth but what you're talking about is the posture that you would have in walking with others and even your own posture of humility in your own quest for truth and and trying to let God's truth come into your life in a living way, right? And and let him correct you and let him adjust you. And I think what I'm hearing from you is those that maybe don't agree with you or those that might have different opinions, you're willing to dialogue with them, but you wanna come in with love. You wanna come in with a sense of, this is a safe place to talk about this. And I'm not gonna judge you just like Mm -hmm. Jesus. I'm not gonna judge you. I may differ from you in my opinions, my viewpoint but I'm not going to judge you and I'm willing to ask the questions and walk with you that's what I'm hearing from you and I think that um like you said we've not seen there's definitely have seen the opposite right um and no wonder people are turned off and they're like there's no room for me so no that's powerful you guys do you have um do you have any other kind of thoughts here as we just kind of start wrapping up This could go on for a long time. This is a fantastic discussion. You guys are just brilliant in in talking about it, but what, what kind of parting thoughts would you have for those that are, that are listening, who who are leading, who are trying to help others. You've shared some keys to to doing that. Do you have some final thoughts for all of us as we consider this?
2: I, I think we need to learn to embrace complexity. And I think, one of the things that religion has done for people is has given them a lot of simple answers to make them feel good in the moment and that people have been really drawn to that but most of the issues that we're talking about that people are deconstructing over are more complicated than either side wants to admit and so we like to quickly divide something into for or against when most things aren't that simple at all and so we need to look through scripture with open eyes and and when I teach Bible classes, I usually start out with a lesson on the scientific method, because we have, a, we have a, a, an existing theory for what we think the Bible says, but what if the opposite were true, what would, the, what, would it, what would it take to find that in Scripture? And can I find the opposite case in Scripture from what I believe? And we need to have this sort of practice with humility, looking at the things we believe and don't believe, and the things that we believe about other people. And how do we take those things really humbly and do the work to be able to say, well, what if, what if that wasn't true? What would that look like?
1: Um, and I think Alex always goes for the science and I'm always about the warm fuzzies. Um,
0: <laughs> That's why you guys are such a perfect team.
1: <laughs> I, every person you meet, convicted killer, innocent child is made in the image of God and he desires to reconcile them to himself. You know, it says that if we desire to be teachers, that we should be careful because we will be held to a higher account. And and I think we gotta take that seriously, both in our willingness to really examine our own beliefs, not to land somewhere concretely, but to know how to have a good discussion about each of the things we believe. But then i also think we ought to examine the life of christ and the way Mm -hmm. he interacted with people and follow his example you know and right now the world is dark it's darker than it's ever been and we are called he says if you love me obey my commands so many commands in scripture from jesus lots of them one of them is let your light shine before all men yes so that they may see your good deeds and praise your father who's in heaven. If we are yelling at people over Facebook, if we are fighting for our own rights, if we are shaking our fists at people who are wounded and trying to be seen, I just don't think we're shining a light no, and we're gonna you. need to take mm-hmm. that super seriously. Yes. And if there are people in our life who we love, who are in the midst of deconstruction how do we humble ourselves to sit with them in that mm. and maybe do the courageous work of opening the door to that room in our own souls and saying you know what i'm going to go ahead and check the drywall with you wow
2: mm-hmm.
0: that's powerful sarah well i love the imagery of that and just the numbering of yourself with that person like willing to walk through the questions willing to help them process And without strings attached. Really, Mm -hmm. I think that's the point, too, that you made earlier. Um, Willing to do it no matter what. Whether they return to Christian faith or whether they reconstruct a Christian faith that, that, you know, might be in line with what our beliefs are. Or whether they say, you know, I'm still not clear and I'm not going to return. Like, we have to take the risk. That's really powerful. Guys, this is really significant and relevant for today. And I appreciate you sharing personally. From your own hearts and then just some of the things you learned. I wondered if you would just close by praying for us. Prayer is good and we need prayer. I think in these days, especially given everything that's happening in our world, we need prayer more than ever. Would you please do that and just
2: pray a blessing as we go? Thank you, Lord, that you are good. Thank you that we can trust you and that your Holy Spirit guides us. We thank you that... The word that you gave us is good and that we can trust it and follow its way. And I thank you that you have produced a community of people that are trying their best. And I pray that you would help us to be have wisdom and help us to have clarity, help us to have good relationships, help us to learn and recapture this thing that you started of discipleship to pattern people after your image, we pray that we would do that humbly and faithfully.
1: God, I thank you um, that you have reminded us over and over that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. That our opinions about you, about your word, um, about who we are in you, um, our opinions don't change what is true. And so God, I pray that you would help us to hold humbly all of the beliefs we cling to for safety. And remember that you never promised us safety In fact, you promised us us abundant life and freedom. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing in those words that say safe or comfortable. Actually, they say adventure. They say challenge. They say growth. And So God, help us to embrace that as leaders um, and as brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, would you lead us always back to the right way to engage in unity? Uh, We might disagree on certain things. Um, but we can still see each other as your children thank you for that in jesus name amen
0: amen thank you guys i really appreciate this this was really powerful and i'm sure those listening did as well if they want to um, get a hold of you say they had some questions or what have you what would be the best way for them to contact you
1: i'm i'm such a millennial Facebook.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or they can email me at thebechurch at gmail.com.
0: Thebechurch at gmail.com or find you guys personally on Facebook.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for being available. And thank you to everyone who uh, listened today. We really appreciate it. And um, God bless you all. And we'll be back soon with another podcast. Thank you for joining us for the LifeLinks Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at lifelinks.org.